0: I know in the last couple of weeks I've gone a little bit long, so hopefully I'll uh, make up for that this week and not go as long. Um, you're like, but Stephen, I can't ever get that time back. And that's fine, because it was a good time together. <laughs> uh, I want to begin just by reading our text for today, Psalm chapter 1. We're really just going to focus on the first couple of verses as we go Through it, but I want to read it all to give us a good full context. Psalm chapter 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You notice my title is not necessarily a title. It's just three words. It's read, meditate, and pray. Read, meditate, and pray. We have been reading, hopefully you have as well, um, this past month through that book, our book of the quarter, as I'm calling it, since it's going to take us a couple more months to get through it. But that Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. And in it, this is uh, one way that you could probably summarize those four chapters is in those three words. Read, meditate, and pray. So I want to use Psalm chapter 1 as a way for us to be encouraged To do that, the study and application of the Word of God to our lives begins with those three interrelated actions. And the purpose of these actions, read, meditate, and pray, is to grow in godliness. So, now before we move any further, I must clearly state that growing in godliness is impossible. Apart from having received God's grace in salvation. If you are not a Christian, and by that I mean if you have not freely received God's grace toward you, which is given through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf, which takes the penalty and punishment for sin off of you and in its place gives you a right and holy standing before God. If you have not freely accepted that gift and become one of God's children, by putting your faith and trust in Christ alone, then pursuing godliness is a vain effort and a false comfort. It's like being in a marching band without playing an instrument. You might think you belong or that you're doing the right thing, but it just, it's just simply wrong. It doesn't make any sense. You first got to pick up the instrument and the instrument we are given is faith and repentance. Okay, so back to where we started with that little caution. The study and application of the Word of God to our lives begins with these three interrelated actions. Read, meditate, and pray. And notice I said interrelated. One leads to the other, which leads to the other, which leads back to the other ones, and it just kind of keeps going. So isolating any one of these actions and secluding it from the others limits both their individual and their synergistic capabilities it begins with the reading of god's word i mean it could also be hearing the hearing of god's word fruitless is the endeavor to grow in godliness apart from god's word in psalm 1 it says Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Okay, so we're kind of told what not to do. So blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. But what are we supposed to do? All right, well, we're not supposed to walk in the counsel of the wicked. We're not supposed to stand in the way of sinners. We're not supposed to sit in the seat of scoffers. But who are we? What kind of person is this? It's a person who delights in what? The law of the Lord. And on that law. On God's law, on the Lord's law, we meditate day and night. Reading and hearing are the introduction to the Word of God, the initiation into its existence, into its uniqueness, into the truth of God and the truth of man and the truth of this world. Godliness without the Word of God is like painting without color, it's like a bird without a song, it's like a plant without flower or fruit. It's like trying to hike a mountain path that hasn't been marked. There is no trail to follow. I don't know where to go. So when I come to, even as it were, a fork in the road, I don't know which path to take. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that position. I went mountain biking about a dozen years ago or so in Texas. Now you'd say mountain biking in Texas doesn't truly exist, (laughs) which I would agree with you in a certain regard. There are slight hills in certain parts of certain areas in Texas, um, and so I went mountain biking with, um, with a friend who I was uh, doing a Bible study with and one of his friends. All stuff, I'm borrowing their bike and I'm borrowing their Camelback, you know, water thing, and it's like 100 degrees. This is like in the middle of summer. It's really hot. Uh, there were trees, so that was good, so we weren't just like baking, sitting out in the sun. Um, and you know, it was, it was a good little path Well, these two guys are experienced They have their own equipment Again, I'm borrowing theirs and, and they're faster than I am Because this is like the second time I've been mountain biking And we come to a fork in the road But they are like 100 yards plus ahead of me And I can't see them Because you know, when you're in the woods You can't see that far, oftentimes. So we come to a fork in the road And I have no idea which way to go I'm like, I'm going to be stuck in these woods forever. <laughs> now somehow, which is contrary to what I'm going to say here about the text, somehow I ended up in front of them in like the clearing where everything kind of comes back together and you can go into a different trail. Um, yeah, so I, I got to that clearing, which I was somewhat familiar to me, and I was like, I'm just going to wait here, and hopefully they'll pop out somewhere. And certainly they did a couple minutes later, and they're like, how did you get in front of us? And I'm like... If I knew how, I would tell you, but I have no idea. I'm just glad we're here now. Let's move forward, and please don't lose me again. Right? I mean, without the Word of God, we're just left aimlessly wandering around. We read the Word of God to know it, and we spend time meditating on it. Meditation is thinking with the purpose of understanding. It's letting your sore muscles soak in a hot bath. It's sitting in the sauna to let that good sweat really get going. You look at the words intently. You spend time. Really, it's just a form of study. Meditation, even more simply defined, is study. To meditate on the Word of God and not simply just to read it, we have to be familiar with it in some capacity. We have to come to it, the Word of God, You've got to read it, you've got to hear it, but then you've got to meditate on it. To meditate on the Word of God is to study the Word of God. It doesn't have to be formal, but it does by default require time. On God's law, on God's Word, I meditate day and night, he says there in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This isn't just a one-time meditation. This isn't just one day and one night. This wasn't one time a while ago he did this, and now he has been fruitful ever since. This is a continual action. He loves the law of the Lord, and it's a continual process of studying it, thinking about it, meditating on it. Now, there are some people who can speed read. And still comprehend what they've read. I am not one of those people. Maybe you are. I do tend to have a bit of a photographic memory, but sometimes those photographs take time to develop, right? I got to get the zoom and the angle right. Maybe I've got to read something a couple times and I'll remember it and I might remember it for the rest of my life and it might be a completely useless fact, which, you know, really does trouble me more than I'd like. But The point of reading the Word of God is to read for comprehension. Did y'all ever see those guys like there were you know, sometimes you turn on the TV like on a Sunday afternoon and nothing would be on because it would be in between sports seasons and um there was this guy in the infomercial who was trying to teach you how to speed read. Did you ever come across that guy? You ever see this? There was this guy who did that. And so he would pick up the book and he'd be like, Yeah, you know, I've never read this book before in my life. And he'd pick it up and he'd be like, you know, and he'd flip. I mean, like, literally, this is what he's doing. He's just flipping the page, flipping the page. And, like, he reads a whole book in, like, two minutes. And then he's like, all right, so quiz me. You know, and then this other lady quizzes him, and he gets everything right, of course. Like, see, my product works. Just, you know, paid thirteen ninety nine or whatever it was, and I'll teach you how to do it. I never tried it. Maybe I would have been better off if I had. I just don't think that stuff really works. I mean, if the whole point of reading the Word of God is just to read it and to be done with it, like I can read through my Bible reading plan and check off all my little boxes, all 5 million of them that there are. Well, I mean, there are 52 weeks and there's 5 in each one. So there's 260 little boxes i got to check off. I can check off all those boxes. But if I haven't actually retained any of it, what good is that? I mean, many of you are in college or have been in college or are in school right now or about to start school in a week or two, it's like reading your textbook and completely forgetting what it said, not comprehending any of it, going to take the test, and you're like, oh, man, I have no idea what mitosis is. What's the difference between that and meiosis? A T and an E, you know, that might be as far as you get, <laughs> Right? One day I was like that. One day I was like that. The the point of reading the word of God is to read for comprehension. And in order to read for comprehension, it really does require and necessitate meditation. Think about what you're reading. Think about what you're reading. So thinking in this regard is meditation. And as we meditate on God's word... what we've heard, what we've read, then it will inevitably then lead us to prayer and application. Right? Lord, you are the author of truth. You have revealed truth to us. Your ways bring joy. Your word is a delight, as the psalmist says. You bring the rain that waters the earth. You give your word which waters my soul. Lord, lead me into more of your truth. Help me to understand how I can apply these truths to my life. Forgive me for the many ways I have failed to live under your truth. I doubt and I trust in what I can see instead of believing that you are with me, though I can't see you. Father, keep me from temptation. Give me the strength and grace to forgive others today. Even when they speak a harsh word to me. Let my speech be filled with your truth. Right? So when we meditate on the word of God, it really should naturally lead us into prayer. And in like manner, when we are brought to prayer through our meditation, there ought to be particular elements of that truth we're praying about that we can then apply to our lives, even that day and that week. One of the greatest enemies that we have as Christians is generalization, leaving things in the vague and nonspecific when they're meant to be applied directly. I used to work in a pharmacy, and I worked back in the day when doctors would still write out their prescriptions, you know, on a prescription pad. Maybe that happens sometimes still, but probably not. You know, it's all electronic now. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to read certain doctors' handwriting, but I'm pretty sure there's a class in medical school that teaches them prescription hieroglyphics. Right? If you're going to write it on a prescription pad, it must be illegible. I think that's rule number one in that class. Right, you know, I'm just kidding, and you know, we're missing a couple of our doctors here today. (laughs) Seriously, though, sometimes we'd have to call back to the doctor's office to figure out what a doctor wrote because six of us could not figure out what they're trying to say. And the reason we needed to get it right is because we wanted the medicine to be taken and applied like they intended. But if you even then, if we get it right after the fact, if you get that bottle of pills or that tube of ointment and you don't apply it on that spot twice a day for 10 days or a couple drops in the right eye four times a day, like it's not going to do the good that it's meant to. Oh, I just went to the doctor because I wanted the diagnosis. I didn't mean for me to have to change anything. I didn't want to actually do anything about it. Yeah, I just wanted someone to listen to my problems. I didn't want you to actually apply any of your skills or the collective wisdom of medicine to my particular situation. We generally call that person, that situation, bogus, ridiculous. So likewise, we can't just read and meditate and pray and have no expectation of any change in our lives. Yes, some general osmosis will take place in our reading and meditating and praying. When we're given a quiz and it's multiple choice. I mean, anyone's got a 25% chance of getting that thing right if there's four options. But sometimes we need to add a little heat to the reaction. We need to place ourselves in certain situations and take ourselves out of other situations. I mean, the psalmist says... Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I mean, there's, it's almost like he's saying there are so many different ways. If we're given four options of things to do, three of them are wrong. You can stand or sit or walk with all the wrong things, in the wrong ways, with the wrong people. But there's really only one way to do it right. So there's a really good chance you're going to get it wrong if you don't really look at The right way. And the right way is contained in the law of the Lord and understanding it because we've studied it and we've applied it. We've put ourselves like a tree next to the streams of water. We haven't just said, hey, I need a drink and then ran five miles off into the desert and been like, oh, man, I thought it was going to be good. No, it's like, I mean, why not just stay here near the source where everything's great, where everything's already green, where all I've got to do is just exist almost. If I'm in the right spot, but I've got to, I've got to intentionally put myself there. (coughs) Realize that's where the Lord wants me and where the Lord has given me the opportunity to be. I need to walk and stand and sit in the word of God. Not in the wisdom of this world, not in the sins of my youth. Meditation is reading and thinking and praying when I walk and when I stand and when I sit. In the word of God and with the people of God, applying it to my life. And encouraging them to apply it to their life. And allowing them to encourage me to apply it to my life. That we together might grow to be like Christ. That we might be witnesses who testify to the grace of God and call others to repentance and faith. Reading leads us to meditation. Meditation leads us to prayer. And prayer seeks out application. Now, it's not in the psalm, and I'm going to kind of go off into left field slightly from where we've been in a certain sense. But I want to give us an explicit opportunity to put into practice... Some of these things that we've been reading about in Whitney's book, but also things that we've talked about for years together in God's Word as a church. So here's a particular way for us to pray this month as we continue reading through the Spiritual Disciplines book and seeking to apply all of these disciplines to our lives. Here's a particular way, since we've read through prayer, hopefully this past week, or maybe it was earlier today or yesterday when you finished up. If you did that, that's fine. Or if you haven't read it yet, that's fine too. You can still participate in what we're going to do here today in this month. A particular way for us to pray. Um, These books, we were encouraged a month ago whenever we had the church planter, uh, Chris, come in and uh, preach for us. Thank you. If you want a few more, I'll get over here. He mentioned this book, and we had not gone through it yet. Oh man! <laughs> Touchdown. Or, Alley Oop, maybe that's a little bit more Alley Oop than Touchdown. (laughs) Um, This is basically just a 30 day prayer journal. It's about as simple as you can get. I mean, most of you have opened it already, I see, and it's not complicated. What's required of us is first, it doesn't even say this because it's like such a simple book. It's just sort of almost understood by the title is for each of us to think of one person, just one, right? Who's your one? One person who you know, who you know does not know Christ, who is not a Christian. And what this is, is an intentional prayer guide for us over this next month to pray for one particular person In your life, who you want God to open up their hearts, to soften their hearts, and for God to give you an opportunity, a door to walk through and the boldness to walk through it, to proclaim the gospel to them, to call them lovingly to repentance and faith. This comes from, again, not necessarily Psalm chapter 1. I mean, you can say it does because we are encouraged. We are expected to train people up, to train up our own family into to knowing who God is and to walking in his ways. But then we're also supposed to be a light to this world, which is all throughout the Old Testament and even more so spotlighted in the New Testament. We have been called as the people of God to make disciples. It was Christ's last command to us and really about his most important command to us apart from loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength to make disciples of all nations. And I'm not even asking us to make disciples of all nations. I'm just asking us to seek God's favor in our lives and those he's already put into our lives, to ask him to do a work in that person's life who we want to know Christ. We want to be a part of making a disciple out of them. So, I want to give you just a minute to think of a person This doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, oh, well, you know, man, I wish it was that person instead of this one. If you really got a problem with choosing, then do more than one person, right? I mean, you know, I'm not trying to limit our witness here, but I am trying to encourage us in our witness. Yeah.